Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dad rad dad where we look for better dads one movie at a time i'm kylie and i'm elliot and we're going to talk about the movies we watched this week before crowning the baddest dad and raddest dad of them all and as always but especially today dad is an energy and not a gender why especially today so today the day we're recording not the day this is going to be released but we always well mostly always record on sundays it's father's day in canada and i think maybe in other parts of the world yeah i don't know um Father's Day is a hard day for me. Yeah, I think it's a hard day for a lot of people. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's no secret if you've listened to the show that my dad is dead. Um, He passed away 10 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Trying to do the math in my head. And there, you know, there was a long stretch of time, a couple of years where I kind of just had to avoid social media for a stretch of days around Father's Day because it was just really hard to see all of the posts about dads. And it was hard to go into stores and see, buy this for your dad. And, you know, you get all of your friggin' email send outs of like Indigo books for dad. Mm. Um, and it's just like you're bombarded with it. And I don't begrudge anyone the ability or desire to celebrate their dads, but it was just really hard. Yeah, that's and fair. I'm really mindful of that on Mother's Day, and I don't typically post about my mom just because I, I have close friends who have lost their moms, um, and I I just, yeah, I'm not saying that people shouldn't post on those days, but it's just something I'm mindful about as someone who's experienced that kind of difficulty. Yeah, I think that's totally valid and fair, and I mean... Today is just a weird day for me, mm -hmm. just because my relationship with my dad has shifted mm -hmm. and changed so much. Like as of this recording, we don't really have a relationship. Mm -hmm. I haven't talked to him maybe in over a year, if not longer. You haven't had a proper conversation with him in years. Yeah. So yeah, like I'm, I'm not texting him today or I'm not celebrating anything with him today and 
yeah, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird day. And there's, there's a sadness there and it's a lot of, yeah, a lot of feelings. Yes, I think it's about, you know, I've just been thinking about this lately because our show is obviously tied to the idea of dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got Father's Day today, but also it's Pride Month. Um, we're about a little over halfway through Pride Month. And I've been really reticent to do anything like specifically related to either of those things mm-hmm. because I feel like, you know, dad is a concept that is throughout our entire show. And I'm more interested in talking about it consistently in complex ways um, to make space for the more complicated stuff and the difficult stuff and not just the celebratory stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, celebra- celebration is great too. And I think we do that with rad dads. You know, we find what we want to celebrate. And then with Pride Month, like pride and, and queerness is such an essential part of our lives that, you know, I want it to be part of every episode. Yeah. And the, you know, the the DNA of our show rather than something that we're specifically curating for a particular time of year. Yes. Yeah. Don't want to like kind of, I want to do the bank thing and just, <laughs> you know, celebrate pride and, uh, you know, just have like kind of fl- float our parade <laughs> float just for this month and then and change our <laughs> profile pictures and then just take it down on July 1st. Um. We say I, we talk about this as you're wearing a mythical pride <laughs> hoodie. <laughs> I'm repping that red and link swag. <laughs> Although they, this one is available year round, yes. So that's the whole tagline is always proud. I think so, yeah. Which is what we are, always yeah. proud. So yeah, I've just been thinking about that and, um, you know, visibility and space being made consistently as opposed to on a particular day or a particular month. And then even on those days, like today, which is Father's Day, leaving space for more than just celebration um, because celebration is important. And I'm really happy for people who the celebratory nature of Father's Day is whole and and valid and genuine for them. Um, But I feel a lot of pain and an empathy for people who that celebration is maybe more of a performance. Yes. Then it then it is legitimate, and I I want, and the hope is with with what we do here every week is to make space to have those tough conversations and nuanced conversations about all the things in our lives and all the feelings that we have, including, and especially our feelings about dads. Yeah, a hundred percent. And we put out we put out a post today, and we say it every episode. Just mentioning that dad is an energy, not a gender. And, you know, maybe some people aren't celebrating what a quote-unquote typical dad is. Like, people can have other other people in their lives that just have that dad energy, have that, that compassion or that, you know, that ability to be able to go to somebody who they feel comfortable with or that can look out for them or it can be a sort of mentor Mm -hmm. or whatever the relationship is there might you know I think a lot of people want that kind of energy or potentially need that kind of energy in their life and they have to seek it elsewhere Mm -hmm. outside of just kind of a conventional family's kind of setting so Mm -hmm. we're big proponents of that like yeah normalize finding your own family yeah 
absolutely. So and and querying and complicating and changing and subverting what those categories can mean and look like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, on a different note, this is our sweet sixteen. Oh, <laughs> we're a, we're a teenager. No, we were a teenager at thirteen. But we, we can, can drive. drive. <laughs> Unless you're me and you didn't get your license until you were nineteen. Oh, beep beep, baby. <laughs> a few few more episodes until you can Kylie drive. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie but you drive. can Elliot drive right now. <laughs> Hell yeah! One go to the city. I'll drive. <laughs> um, also, speaking of like fun stuff. We booked two trips this week. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm yeah. I'm so excited. We're going to do so many cool things. It is the summer of, I don't know. I don't have a verb. This is, the year, this is just the year of just being busy. Yes, we are With, very like, cool busy. cool stuff. Cool stuff, exciting stuff, but busy. I, I, I've been, I think I've said this multiple times this week, but my brain has not been functioning at full capacity since we decided to sell our house, mm-hmm. which was in March, I believe. Yep. Um, and we were rattling the idea around in February. I've been letting text messages drop. I'm usually very good at replying to those. I've been taking longer to respond to emails. I've been forgetting things. Um, so I'm hoping that school year's coming to an end. We had our last day of classes and now we're into exam week. Um, that come summer, my brain can reset a little bit, Mm -hmm. but we do have a busy summer too. So you want to talk at all about these trips we're taking? Um, yeah, I won't go into details because some of the things we're doing are going to translate into the show. Yeah, and there'll be surprises. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, our first trip that we're going to take, we're going to we're going to go out to the east coast of Canada. We're going to go to Halifax, yeah. where we've never been before. I've been to Prince Edward Island. Oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm very excited. We're both very excited to go out there. We're going to go out there for a week. And see a bunch of stuff. We're going to meet some people. We're going to hang out with some people. We're going to go see some movies. It's going to be totally fun. Yeah. And we've been wanting to take that trip since pre-COVID. Like I, the last trip I went on was out to Prince Edward Island with my mom because she had taken, I have three siblings and she had taken each of them on a trip. And then she was like, let's go on a trip. And I'm like, yes, good. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, good, fair. Um, And she... She thought of Prince Edward Island for two reasons. One was we have family out there we've never met, like family of her dad's, so a family of my grandpa on her side. Um, and she knows that I'm kind of that. I, I think she felt like I would appreciate that a lot out mm-hmm. of my four siblings, not that or out of the four of us siblings, not that my siblings wouldn't have, but that I'm very interested in people and I, I like to talk to almost anyone. Um, and then the other thing was Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. So my mom and I had this really lovely trip right before the pandemic. And every time I go on a trip with anyone except for you, I'm just like, then I want you to go there too. So we had this idea to, you know, go go back out east because I really liked it there. And I thought you would enjoy it too, but not necessarily go to the place that I'd already been. So we've been thinking about going out to uh, the East Coast since 2019. Is that when you went? Yeah, August 2019. Um, And now it's finally happening. So that's really exciting. And then our other trip, which we literally just planned yesterday and booked all the stuff. Yeah, we're going with our best buddy, Ashley, to Toronto in August for, well, the whole thing was like, I don't know, I feel like almost a year ago now. we We got tickets to Peter Hook and the Light. Yeah. Who 
like Peter Hook is one of my favorite musicians, but he's also a part of two of my favorite bands, which are Joy Division and New Order. Mm -hmm. And they're playing the entirety of Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division and then doing a New Order set as well. And I'm losing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Currently or how? Like I've... It, it hasn't fully sunk in that like that is going to happen and I'm going to be there to see it. It's I've been listening to those artists since I was a baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, I am I am very excited. Like it, this is a recurring story that's often told. But when I was a baby, like really like a baby and my parents tried to calm me down, they would usually throw on Blue Monday by New Order mm-hmm. and then dance with me. And that would chill me out and that's just <laughs> so much like we talked about how I absorbed my mom's love for Batman in the womb. <laughs> I think that my love for <laughs> post-punk and new wave music <laughs> was absorbed when I was a baby. Um, so yeah, it like we bought tickets to that show. And then our friend Ashley, who is also a big fan um, of Joy Division, New Order, Peter Hook, was like, I want to go see that too. And and I think it's good because I, I'm not really... Yeah. Like, I don't think I've listened to a New Order or Joy Division album in its entirety ever, unless you've just had it on in the background, but I'm not really listening with intention. Right. So I think it's really lovely that you'll, you each will have somebody there who can like share in that joy. I'm going to really enjoy it. I know I will. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Um, But to have somebody that like you can, you can be like, oh, they, when they played this song, because I won't, I won't get it. Yeah. Um, And that happened when we went with Ashley to Oshiaga and you two saw the national together. Mm hmm. Um, you were able to share in that joy in a way that I I wasn't, and I was really happy that you two had each other for that. So what'd you do while we were doing that? I went and saw Franz Ferdinand, <laughs> and so then great. I came and saw the National. But just like you guys wanted really like close to the stage seats, and I was like, "Well, I'd rather go see Franz Ferdinand than I'll just watch the National from further away." It was a great show, mm-hmm. but I hadn't really listened to them prior to that, um, and you two loved them, so it was really really special. I think for the two of you to experience that together. Um, so yesterday we, yeah, we had a, a lovely little day and we planned our trip and we're going longer than we thought we were going to because there's so many things we want to do. We have people there that we want to see who we really care about, who we haven't seen since pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, and we have a bunch of stuff we're going to do because none of us have been to Toronto, I don't think. No. Um, and yeah, so it's it's the summer of travel. Yeah. And um, in inter-Canada travel, we've never been to Nova Scotia and we've never been to Toronto outside of the airport so I think it's really cool that we're going to get to go to two two spots in Canada that we've never been to before. Yeah, I'm so happy to do that cuz I just feel like I feel like the default is somebody that lives in Canada is just like you when you are planning a trip when you have to like fly somewhere that the default is like I want to fly out of my country, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much of Canada like very like fundamental like must see stuff in Canada that I haven't seen. I've never been to Jasper. No. <laughs> yeah, like I mean that and like we can drive there like yeah. I've um, barely been to Banff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's lots for us to do yet. Yeah. So this is yes, this is very exciting. Very um, excited. But what else is exciting is we watched five movies this week. Real early 2000s week for us. I, was, I noticed like late that. 90s early 2000s. It is always really compelling to me to look back on the week of what we watched. And to to see the connections that like were subconsciously made, like how whoever started the week may have influenced the choices made along the way. Yeah. Um, 
without us even realizing it. Because I often don't pick my mystery pick until like the day of, or I might have something in mind and then change my mind Mm -hmm. or have like a handful of movies that I'm like looking to pick from and then decide that day. Um, There's the odd time where I'm like, no, I'm, this is the next one we're going to watch regardless. Um, It's kind of the same with me. Like I usually have like a handful kind of rattling around my brain and then I'll just kind of pick what feels appropriate based on mood and vibe of the day. Mood, vibe, timing. Yeah. Also, like sometimes I literally have nothing picked and I just like abscond to a part of the house and like search my watch list. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, interesting that this kind of played out to be a lot of like early 2000s movies. Not all of them, but uh, but a lot of them, which is a very particular moment in cinematic time, I feel like. Yes. There's an early 2000s vibe that just smears across those movies. Smears. <laughs> yeah. That's the word I'm using. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so start us out. What is the first movie that you picked for the week? I'm so excited to talk about this movie. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I picked the movie That Thing You Do. It's from ni- 1996 and it's directed and written by America's dad, Tom Hanks. Yes. Big week for Tom Hanks. Did you hear about what happened with him this week? Yeah, I watched... Are you talking about that little video with his wife? Yeah. <laughs> Where he, he flipped out on some paparazzi. I thought I, it was I, valid. I thought I agree. it was 100% I, valid. You know, I, I get really uncomfortable when people yell or get aggressive. Like, it's just something I... That makes me really uncomfortable. Um, But I was like, you know what? Yeah. That was okay. Hey, don't, don't, don't bump into my wife. Paparazzi seem like the absolute worst. Yeah. Anyway, so written and directed by Tom Hanks. Yeah. And starring very babely Tom Everett Scott. <laughs> yeah. I don't um, even know who that guy is. And yes. <laughs> uh, very babely Liv Tyler. Mm-hmm. Steve Zahn. Ethan Embry. Also babely. You like Ethan Embry? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> nice. Uh, Jonathan Sheck. Uh, Tom Hanks himself. And Charlize Theron in her first movie. That was credited. Her, really? Her, yeah, this is her first movie. Her first, first, first movie that she was uncredited in was Children of the Corn 3, Urban, <laughs> Urban Harvest. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but this was her first actual like feature film where she got credit. Don't forget Steve Zahn. I said Steve Zahn. Oh wow, I just, I was so focused on Ethan Embry that I... <laughs> <laughs> Please say Ethan Embry. It. Please say Ethan Did Embry. Did you say Giovanni Ribisi? I didn't. Okay, well he's in it too. Another... Another crush of yours, yes? Yeah, yeah. I have this weird, like, little side crushes. They don't ever come to the forefront on Giovanni Ribisi and Ethan Embry, and I don't even know why. Like, I love that you have, like, there's, like, core, <laughs> core crushes and then peripheral crushes. There's core crushes, and they um they kind of alternate what's in the forefront at any given time, you know? <laughs> it usually just, like, circles between, like, Mae Martin, Andrew Garfield, Rami Malek. Yeah. Do you imagine them all kind of like an inside out where she has like the imaginary <laughs> boyfriend and I would die for Kylie. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Except in my like crush machine, it's not just like one person. Oh. It's like, it's crush all. Crush <laughs> machine. <laughs> oh, I just imagine that like one of those like toy machines where like you put in a coin and you turn it and whatever you get out Which is your crush. Which crush are you getting today? Bo Burbum. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Bo Burnham. I have too many crushes. No, no such thing. Oh, that's very sweet that you support my endless ability to have a crush on every person I meet. Crush away, baby. Thank you. All right. Synopsis for that thing you do. A local Pennsylvania band, The Wonders, score a one-hit wonder in 1964 and and ride the star-making machinery as long as they can with lots of help from their manager. I think you mispronounced that name. Which? The O'Neaters. Right. <laughs> hey, no, it's O'Netters. <laughs> 
Um, I love this movie. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. It, it's not. It's not always like top of mind for me. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I watched it as a kid. My parents loved it, especially my mom. My mom really loved this movie. Your mom really likes like music movies. Like she likes music docs and she loves Almost Famous. She's always yeah. rubbing in my face that she has this like extended edition of <laughs> yeah, Almost I've Famous. Heard her do this, yes. And I think it's because I sneakily tried to like when I moved out of my house. You tried to take it. I tried to take it. Like when we moved out. And I think if she made a yeah, I think oh. she made a point at one point. She's like, "You're not taking the Almost Famous." <laughs> that was very rude of you. <laughs> Elliot, why does she like you so much? I don't know. (laughs) Um, But I like, I think everything about this movie is so great. Even like down, like the, when I was a kid, I love the um, poster art uh, Mm -hmm. for it. Like it's so clean. It's so simple. It's very Beatles-y, which Mm -hmm, I I also mm -hmm. really like. Um, Because yeah, it's like set in the 60s and it's very much that vibe. Um, I'm definitely going to gush more about this movie. But what do you think of that thing you do? So, like, just to to kind of start it off, this is a real feel-good movie. Oh, yeah. Like, it just makes you feel really good. I had never seen this movie until you showed it to me when we first started dating. Like, you were still living at home. I think we watched it with your mom or else, you know, your your household, I think growing up, but, but like, was still kind of the vibe when, when I entered the mix. I mean, we started hanging out in grade 12 and then we started dating when we were 19. Was, like, if somebody was watching something in the living room, it was fair game for anyone to join. Mm-hmm. So it could have been that we started watching it and then your mom was like, oh, you're watching that thing you do and like joined us. But I remember her being there um, and I really liked it. I had never seen it. Now, I think that I like it because of its like Beatles adjacency because hmm. I love the Beatles. I think it's an appropriate time being Father's Day to maybe mention that like my first ever tattoo is a tattoo of John Lennon's glasses, which I got in... um you know, to, to represent my my relationship with my dad because we we really bonded over music and movies. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, in all the complicated things that happened, you know, with him and in, in my relationship with him, um, something that I will always deeply value is his love of art and how that um, made its way to me and, and was supported through our relationship. We, like, were always watching movies together and he would let me pick and... Sometimes he got to pick in a very similar kind of mystery movie way to us, just without the mystery. And um, the Beatles was just a huge, huge, huge part of of our relationship. And so I got that that tattoo for him. Um, and this movie has such a like it feels like it's like a Beatles biopic in disguise. Yeah. And they make reference to that, like they make fun of that throughout. Um, the cast is so good. So good. Like just. So good. I mean, it, it's very white. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good white cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good white boy cast plus Liv Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I like, do you have this really weird, like, like of Ethan Embry? I don't even know what else he's in. Can't <laughs> hardly wait, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He is, is he in American Pie? No, I don't no. think so. Um, That's Seth Green. Is Seth Green in American Pie? He's in Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, I have a crush on him too. (laughs) (laughs) Especially as Oz and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. One of my first crushes, Oz and Willow crushes at the same time. (laughs) And they were a couple. Interesting. Anyway, besides the point. (laughs) um, What is it that you like so much about this movie? I think that one thing is that 
for me this seeing this movie when I was really young, because I mean, it came out in 96. I think I probably saw it shortly after that. So I was probably like seven or eight, maybe. I think that this movie played a big part in me wanting to play music and mm. to be in a band. Mm-hmm. Like kind of, because I feel like it perfectly captures the excitement of kind of seeing success in something that you love doing. In this case, it's music. Um, Like I still, like the whole scene where they hear themselves on the radio, <sighs> like... It's. I think it might be one of the best scenes in cinema. <laughs> it's it, it's so certainly the good. happiest scene in cinema. Um, but I feel like that's it. Perfect. That scene, amongst others, perfectly encapsulates what it's like when you're working on something that you love, and you know nobody's really heard about it or anything like that. But it's like it echoes the feelings that we get when we get like really nice comments or really nice feedback on this podcast or things like that. It's like, oh man, like we're like we're doing it. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think like seeing the band, the Wonders come together and start creating really great music and then just like kind of seeing their success grow. I'm just like, I want to I want to play music. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to do this thing. So I think it's a very big uncredited um, piece of inspiration for me. Credited now. Yeah. For, yeah, wanting to start playing guitar and, and playing music in general and then wanting to be in a band. And I've, I've been in multiple bands. We've been in a band together. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I, I, I it's it, the combination of everything. Like the acting is all great. It's super funny. Like it's so hilarious mm-hmm. and humor that still stands the test of time. Yeah, it is so lovely to watch a movie from like early two thousands and earlier, and and not like cringe or be like, oof, this is like really mean spirited humor. This really punches down. Nope, not the case with this movie. Yeah. It's really lovely. Yeah, it is. And the music is so good. That song is great. Yeah. Which is good because it's played so many times <laughs> in the movie. I mean, it is is truly a bop. And yet right now I can't think of how it goes. Like you doing that thing you yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Breaking my heart into a million pieces. <laughs> I, like, oh, it's so good. I listened to that soundtrack quite a bit too because we had we had it. Like my mom my mom owned it and I remember listening to it mm. quite frequently because all, all the tunes on there like it's not just songs from the wonders like they have kind of some other supporting soundtrack tracks on there. Very good. And you know like Liv Tyler's quite good in the things that she's in yeah yeah i i think she does a really good job in this film um and her character is really interesting in in terms of her like support for the band and the way that she um she plays this essential role that is at the same time so behind the scenes and doesn't get the credit that it deserves Mm -hmm. um she's also in our favorite tv show of all time the leftovers the leftovers which highly recommend if you've never seen um and she's very good in that as well yeah so i love to see her and and outside of um what's that movie with i don't want to miss a thing <laughs> armageddon yeah my mom really <laughs> likes that movie <laughs> i took my mom to see aerosmith simply because she wanted to hear that song did they play it and they didn't play it <laughs> awesome <laughs> <laughs> and i think motley crew was opening and tommy lee Well, first of all, there was a lot of very sexual imagery and she was like quite not appalled, but just like, oh, 
Um, and then Tommy Lee like took a flask and like handed it up to the audience, and she was like, "Everyone's gonna get hepatitis." <laughs> 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 and then she was disappointed that they didn't play. Uh, oh, I thought you were gonna thing. say she was disappointed they didn't get hepatitis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. Um, yeah, good to see her in something that's not like intrinsically tied to her dad. Yeah, and. Like the very babely Tom Everett Scott in this, who plays Guy Patterson, or Shades, <laughs> Shades. Like I, I just feel he, like he's never, he's kind of like our main protagonist, but I feel like Tom Hanks doesn't, you know, he he doesn't kind of make him like this very like perfect kind of guy. Like mm-hmm. you see that he has this excitement for being in the band and this excitement about becoming famous and starting to live in like a whole new world and like the (laughs) the naivety of it and how he easily like drops anything that's not that Mm. like i feel like that's very like probably true of me as soon as you were saying that i was starting to nod do you remember what we always said when we were in our band together (laughs) yes elliot cuss party of one (laughs) yes (laughs) despite our band having four four members (laughs) yes yeah, like I just feel like I like I can relate to that. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, becoming to not in like a big grand way, but it kind of comes around to like starting to like open up your view a little bit more mm-hmm. and kind of looking at what's around you immediately and the people around you. And yeah, like I feel like there's a really good arc with that character. And yeah, it's really fun watching him on screen. Like there's some just some some really great characters in this some really fun characters mm-hmm. too like yeah there's steve's on is hilarious in oh this movie. so <laughs> funny in this yeah i think what's the movie he's in where he's like a dad it's not daddy daycare kicking and screaming something like that I remember really liking that movie as a kid <laughs> i don't know i'm gonna look it up while you keep talking yeah i just i th- I, I highly recommend daddy this daycare movie. yeah there you go <laughs> great <laughs> um yeah i just i highly recommend this movie i think it's so fun it's so great it still holds up for mm-hmm. being made in 1996 um tom hanks has only written and directed two feature-like movies this and larry crown i've never seen that never- but i think robbie malik's in it really mm-hmm. oh Man, this is just all about your crushes this episode <laughs> yeah, it's, pretty, it's just what my life's about let's be honest <laughs> Um, yeah, but on the whole, how'd it make you feel? This movie makes me feel really happy. Yeah. Like, it just makes me feel, I know I already said it, but it makes me feel really good. Like, I smile a lot in it. And that's not to say that there aren't some moments that, like, things get heavy or, you know, things come to a head in the film. But for the most part, it's just a really sweet, lovely movie about what it means to really want to do something and how it feels when you find success at that thing you want to do. Yeah. That thing you do. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> find it. success at that thing you do. <laughs> how nice. does it make you feel? Yeah, same thing. Just really happy. I think that it also sparks a little bit of creative inspiration in me as well mm-hmm. um, to just like kind of chase the the thing that I want to do or to work hard at the things I want to do and, and you know, good things will come. Did it make you want to pick a guitar back up? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. 
since we moved, everything's been packed up. And I'm like, maybe I want to pull out the guitar. No. Have it My like... piano is still like wrapped in plastic right now. <laughs> <laughs> wrapped in plastic. <laughs> it's not going to be the last time I mentioned that this week. Um, yeah. Love this movie. Go watch yeah. that thing you do. Thanks for showing it to me twice. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. We'll and it's really nice to get to watch something that means so much to you. And I always like hearing that you're like six, seven years old, loving this movie. That's like really not for kids. <laughs> I'm just like, little Elliot was such a interesting child. <laughs> Gives me such insight into who you are and how you've become this beautiful, wonderful person that I care about oh, so much. Very, very sweet. Mm. Um, also, I'll, I'll recommend because there's like a theatrical cut, which is what we watched and an extended cut. I actually prefer the theatrical cut. Like, I just feel maybe that's just because what I saw first and watched mm -hmm. the most. So the extended cut's like, what's all this? Like, get this out of here. I don't, I'm not used to it. <laughs> what's all this? But I think I recommend the theatrical cut over the extended cut. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, check it out. So I took us in a different mood. Yes. For the next one. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually been wanting to watch this movie for a while, but it's not the easiest to get a hold of. You can rent or buy it on Vimeo. <laughs> which like what <laughs> um, i guess i had a vimeo account didn't even know that oh. um so i picked the movie it's such a beautiful day that um was three short films that came out in different years but then was made into a, a feature film in 2012 was when it came out as like one um film so it's directed and written by don hertzfeld and the synopsis is bill struggles to put together his shattered psyche oh yeah nice yep um there is no information on imdb about cast i imagine the voice of bill is don hertzfeld mm, yeah i think i am not confirming that um what did you think of this uh like i don't think right out of the gate it mentions that's don hertzfeld but as soon as the animation started kicking in, I'm like, is this something by Don Hertzfeld? Because I, I hadn't heard about this. I didn't know I didn't know about this at all. Which I was really surprised about. I figured that you'd be like, oh, I can't. I'm so excited to watch it. But you'd never heard of it. No. Well, and like what's really funny is that I don't know if you had a similar experience to this than I did. But when I was younger, like early 2000s and the, the Internet was starting to like really take <laughs> off. Wow, we're old. <laughs> um. I'd go over to my friend Ben's place um, and we would go on this website that was called Newgrounds. And it <laughs> New was, <grounds. laughs> it was like, it was kind of a hub for all of these more adult oriented kind of cartoons, like flash animation cartoons. Um, and while they weren't like, not adult in the sense of like sexually graphic or anything like that, but more stuff like adult swim kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I felt like I was doing something bad, like because like I I didn't look at it at home, and like I went over to, oh. I went over to like Ben's place to like watch this watch this because he had an older brother who I think would find this stuff and then share it with Ben. Yeah. Um, and then we just like watch these funny cartoons together, and that's how I came across Rejected, which is probably like the most famous thing that Don Hertzfeld has had done, and ha probably has done to date that people would probably know the most so interesting to me i have like a similar but different story which is that i pirated rejected cartoons on napster <laughs> oh man um, which is also how i watched a lot of jackass because i didn't have mtv oh, yeah. um 
like we had like very basic cable like i didn't have teletoon i didn't have is it family channel that had like the amanda show on it yeah like i didn't have any of those channels i had to go to like my friends swanky houses to like watch those um and i remember i think it was my older sister brit and me pirated rejected cartoons um and just watched it non-stop i remember quoting it to death um and what is it and now angry bees fly out of my nipples (laughs) (laughs) it just or oh the i am a banana like it's just emblazoned in my brain but because I had pirated it on Napster, I thought it was really underground. Like, I thought it was like a thing I knew about, but other people didn't. Yeah. Right? And and turns out that is not the case at all. It was like winning awards. I'm pretty sure it was nominated for the Academy Award for Short Film. Um, I don't know if it won, but it was not underground <laughs> at all. But my, like, little child brain thought that this was this really cool indie thing that I discovered. Well, it's just like, it's this very internet-based thing but it wasn't but but it is for us it was for us and because the internet was so like, new new yeah. it and you had to like go through these back doors like napster or like <laughs> onto new grounds where i'm not supposed to be yeah and you saw you sought it out and saw it that way you're kind of like oh like the, i had to work to get to this yeah. so there's you know. something intrinsically tied to my early memories of the internet and rejected cartoons like yes like and so because of that it just feels foundational to me um and so i've been really excited to watch this because i rejected cartoons is super innovative but it's mostly funny yeah this like it's such a beautiful day is it is funny but (laughs) it is a lot more than that too yeah it's it's very like we kind of when we came out of it we were like this is very it's funny, but it's also like creepy, but it's also sad. It's also just really, oh, what's the word? It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Like it really, it really reminded me, big parts of this film really reminded me of the like eye sequence in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Or the, or episode eight of Twin Peaks The Return, where it's just yes. like so many things are filtering past you, both visually and audit- in an auditory way, that it's like you're both gripped glued to the screen and also feel really overwhelmed at the same time yeah um it's like it feels like that moment where like your eyes have been sucked to the tv and you're just like those things are streaming through you Mm -hmm. um which is one of my favorite things like 2001 space odyssey is one of my favorite movies of all time twin peaks is one of my favorite shows of all time and the return was phenomenal um and it felt strange to like compare those things to me like I didn't yeah. expect it to have that kind of a vibe. Would you agree that it? Yeah, I like. I mean, as soon as I kind of figured out what this was and and who had made it, I was expecting. I think kind of like rejected the sequel, but it it wasn't that at all. Like there's strokes of that, but it made me feel a lot more things than just like this is ridiculous. It's much more in the vein of the end of rejected cartoons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Than it is the like first eighty percent of rejected cartoons. Yes, um, it's deeply affecting. Oh, this, yeah. This one, it's like really sad. <laughs> yeah, and and really, there's something about the simplicity of the narration mm-hmm. that also makes it so profoundly relatable, even when what's being said is strange. Yeah, um, it's so like. 
it's so matter of fact. Like I likened mm. it to I I watch daily dose of internet, and now <laughs> yeah. I've started showing you the daily dose yeah. of internet videos on YouTube, and the delivery of the person that runs that channel is just so dry and just so like matter of like almost robotic a little bit. But but with a humanity, yeah, injected yes. into that, yeah, um, and th- yeah, I felt the same kind yeah. of here, and it was very. Paired with the animation style, which was very simple, but also, again, also effective, like across the board, that was kind of the vibe here is like, you don't need a lot and you don't, you don't need to go over the top for this to be so affecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was like very well crafted and put together and thought out. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, this, I put in my letterbox review, rejected walked so that this could run. <laughs> well, and it was, you know, there's this merging of different um, art styles and visual styles in it. That's mm. really compelling and innovative. And, and it's part of that like sensory overload of this, of this film, which is, which is about mental illness and, and physical health as well. Um, but, but tied to like the brain and tied to like dementia and you know it's it, this time it felt to me really like an experience like I was really experiencing it but I think that this is a film that has a potential to like really deeply impact me emotionally depending on my current state of mind yeah. that didn't happen to me this time but I think it could and and will in future yeah i mean we own it on vimeo now yeah, so <laughs> i did buy it on vimeo <laughs> um no i agree with you and i think that it's kind of interesting watching this now because i mean yeah it came out in 2012 um but, but the three I, short films came out earlier yeah but i feel like that idea of too muchness or kind of mm. sensory overload i mean we just got that with everything everywhere all at once like mm-hmm. where it definitely plays into that to tell a very emotional hard-hitting story underneath and i agree mm-hmm. with you like i feel it it uses its silliness and it uses its like exploration of different media to tell this very human story and yeah i, and I don't explore know really human fears yeah there's this one part in it um that like once you start to realize it's closer to the end of the film once you start to realize what's happening you're like is this ever going to stop yeah and it's like deeply discomforting yeah um and like you feel trapped in it too mm-hmm. and and then i could see how a person if they like really don't connect with like um non-live action work would like struggle to connect with this film but if you're at all interested in like different mediums and different like ways of storytelling like this movie is like pretty i think pretty important to see yeah i mean for something that's like 62 minutes long it felt longer because it just like it does it did exactly what you're saying like it just kind of grabs you and doesn't really let you go it, in like a good way i think like it's just yeah. like it just really holds your attention for me at least mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just so yeah like it just because of that kind of sensory overload of it all it, it's it's hard it's it's hard it makes it hard for it to let go of you it also i'm really excited to watch it again because it has 
Um, one of my favorite things in any form of media, which is that it's not until the end that you realize the unreliability of it. Yeah. So in like a life of Piway or a, I don't know, other things aren't coming to my mind right now. But when you go back and rewatch it with that lens that you now have from having seen the entire thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be really, really cool. I love Life of Pi. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> life of Pi. Like you're talking the book though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big yeah. time. Um, okay, so it's such a beautiful day. How did it make you feel? Just It, it just made me feel like my mind was being melted. Mm. Um, and like not not in a negative way in a way that like i love i love watching art that can do this mm -hmm. like it can just bring out a lot of different emotions it can bring out a lot of different feelings and responses to what's going on i, I love seeing these things that can just be that kind of sensory overload like you mentioned the episode eight of twin peaks the return um or yeah 2001 like it's just i think that like we're just watching somebody that was like i want to do something like this is what i want to show people this mm -hmm. is how, this is what i want to put across and it's so bold and mm -hmm. and out there and you know like i'm sure like you can dig into like all the corners of the earth and find something that's exactly like this or that influenced this or whatever but i've seen this and i i really i really enjoyed it i thought there don hertzfeld uh made another banger <laughs> with this one but how did it make you feel? I mean, yeah, different language, but similar feeling. I felt like glued to the screen. Yep. Like couldn't look away. And I was just in awe of it. Um, in awe of the like technical feat of it, the, you know, uniqueness of it. And the story it was telling really moved me. Um, really liked it a lot. Yeah. Uh, when you say glued to the screen, how would you say the word glue as two syllables? In a southern accent. Galoo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Galoo. So all right. <laughs> Interesting request, Elliot. <sighs> all right. <laughs> Movie number three. Again. I'm so wow. excited to talk about this one. So this actually, um, a few episodes ago... We had a inspiration or a influence uh, double mystery movie pick, which was um, one of my just most lovely students, Cora, wanted us to watch Hot Rod and, and wanted to know like wanted wanted to know what I would think of it. Um, and I was sitting with her and another student, Haisha, and we were we were visiting um, after the last day of classes. And it's been you know last day of classes when you teach high school is really emotional, and I teach grade twelve because. You never, you don't know if you're going to see these people again. And so many of my students are so wonderful, just like wonderful human beings. And it's just like this, you know, things are changing and they're going off and you feel proud of them. And yes, there's lots of emotions. So we were, we were sitting and we were visiting <laughs> and they were asking if we were going to do anything special for Father's Day. And I was like, I don't think so. And, and, you know, see, see top of the show if you're, if you didn't, if you just skipped ahead to this, um, for, for why. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> they just wanted to hear us talk about this movie. Don't be a stinky. Go <laughs> back to the beginning. Yeah, listen to the whole thing. Come on. Um, and then Cora said, I'd really like you to watch School of Rock for, your, for Father's Day. <laughs> and I was like, why? Well, it turns out 
I've forgotten this, that we referenced School of Rock in our very first episode ever, mm -hmm. really off the cuff. Like, we don't ever say School of Rock. I think you say something about stick it to the maniosis. Yeah. And then I say Mr. Schneeblay. <laughs> and then we talk about how he's one of the best dads in cinema. And then we just move on. So in tribute to our first ever episode where we introduce the idea of bad and rad dads as they relate to us and as they relate to cinema, um, in tribute to the end of this grade 12 year and to my students that are graduating, Cora got to pick and Cora picked School of Rock. So it's Cora's mystery movie pick and what a pick it is. Another banger from Cora. So School of Rock, directed by Richard Linklater, written by Mike White, starring Jack Black as Dewey Finn, Mike White as, as Ned Schneebly, uh, Joan Cusack as Rosalie Mullins, and Sarah Silverman as Patty DeMarco, and then a whole host of talented kids. And the synopsis, if you haven't seen this movie, what are you doing with your life? Please go watch it. The synopsis is, after being kicked out of his rock band, Dewey Finn becomes a substitute teacher of an uptight elementary private school, only to try and turn his class into a rock band. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, so I, we both love this movie. Yeah. But what did you think of watching it again? This is essential cinema. It is essential cinema. <laughs> it is so good. Um, I think, I can't remember it verbatim right now, but we'll post about it. There's a... Then there's a meme that we saw of this. There was like a tweet or something that somebody sent out that was like you when you're a kid and you're like School of Rock is one of the greatest films of all time. And then you're in your 20s. And what then what is it? It's like David Lynch and other folks are the greatest directors of all time. And then when you're in your 30s, School, School of Rock, Rock is, is the greatest, greatest film of all, all time. time. And it's so true. Like this, this is one of this is one of my faves. And this is like this is one of those movies. If you're feeling down, yeah, throw it this on. This is a feel good movie. This is this is more than a feel good movie. It's a comfort movie. Yes, like that thing you do is a feel good movie, but this is a comforting movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so pure. It's kind. It's it is kind. It's funny. It has so much heart in it. Oh, um, yes a good way to describe it i i love that richard linklater did this like this it just seemed like it seems so weird like <laughs> as somebody who made like the before trilogy and boyhood and scanner darkly and like <laughs> all of these like very like i don't know just very like essential indie movies and it's just like very mainstream comedy didn't he make dazed and confused yeah yeah i haven't seen that neither have i um i like a lot of his movies though and then Mike White, so this is such a silly story, but um, so School of Rock is and always has been one of my favorite movies of all time. I saw this in the theater. I feel like I saw it more than once, but that may just be like something I've inserted into my memories and it's not true. But I definitely saw it at least once in the Duke Cinema and I cannot remember who I saw it with. I want to say it was my brother, but that might not be true. I remember I really liked the White Stripes at the time and there's this one little like White Stripes reference that's so good and i remember being like yeah um <laughs> i really liked music you know i was playing piano and thought that maybe one day i could be a rock star um and so just i just loved it i just loved this movie so 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 much and so i knew who mike white was because he is also like the character of ned in the movie and then we used to be really into reality tv 
and like still would be if we watched it, but just we just don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike White was on The Amazing Race. And I was like, oh, my goodness. When he when we watched the season, I was like, oh, my goodness, Mike White. And you're like, who the heck is this guy? And I'm like, he wrote School of Rock. <laughs> and uh, I think he was on with his partner. I don't remember this. What? I don't remember this. Well, it happened. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I just don't remember. I don't think they won. Was um, it a celebrity one or was he just no, on there with it, the normies? No, I don't think it was. Oh, it was he was on with his dad. Mel and Mike. No, work? it was just a, it was just a regular season of the Amazing Race. Um and I remember being like, "Oh my goodness, Mike White." And now he's really back in the zeitgeist cuz he he show ran uh the White Lotus. Did he really? How okay, where how do you not know all these things? I don't. Why am I such a Mike White stan and you are not? <laughs> <laughs> he made that show Enlightened with Laura Dern as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You didn't know any of this. Man, God. Why'd you just go marry Mike White? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested in marrying Mike White. He's um he's a queer man. He wouldn't want to marry me. Did his dad rupture his Achilles on Amazing Race? Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> different season. Different different dad. <laughs> um the with something I struggle with a lot with this movie is that Jack Black's character's name is Dewey Finn, but for the majority of the movie, he goes by Mr. Shanae Blay. Mostly Mr. S, but yes. Yeah. Um, and it's just like at the end when it comes back to Dewey Finn, like it's just, it, it's weird because <laughs> in my heart, like you're just Mr. Schneebly. But he can be Schneebly and Mike White can be Schneebly. He's Schneebly with a little flair. <laughs> yeah. Um, we like, this movie is such a big part of, plays such a big role in our vernacular. Like, I know. I was thinking it's one of our most quoted movies. We love to quote, I'm not cool enough to be in the band. Let's rock today. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Uh, Mr. Schneebly, um, stick it to the maniosis. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's more. But I think there's three movies that we quote almost on a regular basis. But this. this Green Mile. The Green Mile. It's the last one. Saw. Oh, yeah. We quote Saw a lot. I promise. <laughs> we say I promise a lot. But I also do that. No. No. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> or the, um, uh, oh, what does he say? What does Zeke say to uh, the, the woman from Parenthood? Oh, the I can't remember. from Parenthood? I can't remember. And this is going to just get boring if I keep trying to remember. So I, I won't. But we do quote Saw a lot. And um, and then School of Rock is kind of that like ringer where like we don't quote it as often as we quote the Green Mile or Saw, but when we do quote it, it's real nice. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> the other ones are a little bit sillier, but this is just really usually we're doing it. It's quite sweet. Um, this is another one of those movies that like I think when we rewatched it a handful of years ago, I was like really worried it wouldn't hold up and it would be offensive. It is not. It is nope. so sweet and so affirming of all the characters and like who they are. And like, you know, an essential part of the film is that people think Dewey is a loser. Yeah. And and he believes it about himself, too. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's this tension within him where he's struggling to believe that he's good enough. And and he and so he like over performs his confidence yeah. But you can see within him that like that's breaking him down that people think he's a big loser mm-hmm. who has no talent and is worthless. And you see that play out in the way that he doesn't want anyone else to feel like that. Yeah. And it takes him a while to realize that. It's almost like he does it 
he affirms other people and builds them up and gives them confidence almost accidentally at first mm-hmm. as like a result of how poorly he's been treated. And like, don't get me wrong, he seems a little annoying at the beginning of the movie, but people are just so mean spirited towards him. Yeah. And I think that that's why Jack Black is perfect for this because Jack Black is one of those comedic actors, much like a Jim Carrey, that like their whole shtick is kind of going over the top and yeah. being really physical and doing a lot of physical comedy. Um, but that aspect of Jack Black lends itself so well to everything you just said about mm-hmm. his character of Dewey Finn. And then it's just, it's again, it's that thing of a comedic actor being able to turn that mm-hmm. and make become like, in this case, some, something that's really kind and warm and beca- like learns to become understanding and compassionate. Well, and that's, you know, that's something that I feel like is intrinsic to a lot of these characters that Jack Black plays. Because I also really like The Holiday and I'm not a big rom-com person, but, but he, I really like The Holiday. Well, and his character is... So sweet. In the, in the, in the grand spectrum of rom-com characters... He's probably one of my favorites, if yeah. not my favorite. I just, I love the dynamic between him and Kate Winslet in that film. And he's so great. And I feel like, I mean, I haven't seen like a ton of Jack Black movies, but I feel like there is this good natured wholesomeness to his. Cause I hit the way he plays his characters, because I actually really typically don't like the over the top. Like, I don't like a Jim Carrey. I don't, who else is like in that realm? Oh. I'm what I think like a it? Will Ferrell. Yeah. I don't like a Will Ferrell. Yeah, like yeah. I tend to, I don't like Talladega Nights or Anchorman or like those are not movies I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I love this movie and I feel like it's, I learned to love Dewey despite all of that. Yeah. And and I feel like a lot of, especially Jim Carrey movies, that over the topness leans into mean spiritedness. Yes. Like, like in a liar liar or like, the transphobic disaster that is Ace Ventura. Um, Even Dumb and Dumber. Like, I've never, I've, if I've seen Dumb and Dumber, I don't remember it. I feel like mm-hmm. that's a movie my parents didn't let me watch because of like the implicit, like making fun of people's intelligence level. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen it. So I don't really know. Although I love Jeff Daniels in Pleasantville. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this besides the point, let's get back to the beauty that is Jack Black. Mm-hmm. I really like him. I yeah. really, really like him. Yeah. I I just think like he's a, I just, yeah, I feel like he's just perfect in this role. He's a great character and the growth that he has and the passion that he shows and just like the relationship and the dynamic that he has with these kids is so funny, but also like, I just love how it's like, I don't give a shit kind of attitude in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I, I also love that the I love the intelligence of the kids themselves mm, in mm-hmm. this film. Like I, I like that they're not just stupid kids that are uh, like annoying and the worst. But they like, also feel like kids. Yeah, like they're they're not kids that are written by adults to sound like adults. Like mm-hmm. they're they. I mean, this is like a prep school, like or mm-hmm. something like that. So like they are kind of h- higher intellectual kids, but yeah, still like you said, still kids. And they have I, kid problems. Yeah. And very and very basic, simple stuff that you know is mirrored by the immaturity in mm-hmm. in, uh, Dewey. in Dewey, and then how they're both able to kind of ping pong ping pong off of each other to help each other grow. Mm-hmm. 
God damn, this movie's so good. <laughs> it's really sweet. It's really age appropriate. Like it's really, it's one of those ones that like, there's things that'll resonate with you when you're young and then different things that'll resonate with you when you're older and both are just as profound and lovely. Yeah. Um, and the songs are total jams. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the the songs that they play together are so good. All of the, like, the rest of the soundtrack. Yeah, is like, really I, I never good. listen to Immigrant Song the same way after watching I don't think I had heard, like, when I hear that song, I think of Jack Black in the van <laughs> with Joan Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> and his hand. Yeah, <laughs> always with the hand. <laughs> like, that's what I think of. Oh. You know, I um there's so much about this movie that's like imprinted in my brain. Yeah. And I just as we watch it, it like I know every line, I know every beat, and I'm so excited for it to come. And it's just there's also a realism to certain parts of it that I love that it isn't just like a and everything's perfect. You know, mm -hmm. like there's there are consequences like like Dewey does some shady things that are like not super good. Well, yeah. And it's 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 kind of funny because like I feel like they've put Sarah Silverman's character in there to be like the jerk that is, you know, calling him and all this stuff. But like, no, she's like really the voice of reason. Like she doesn't go about it in the right way, but it's just like but she's like, yeah, the adult probably... of like you. You can't do this. Like you probably should pay rent. You probably shouldn't pretend to be somebody else and be a teacher. Yeah. Like that's what, although it always blows my mind when we watch American media and like you don't have to have a teaching license to be a substitute teacher. Like because right. in I mean, I don't know about other parts of Canada, but in Alberta, you have to be a fully licensed teacher to be a substitute. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, like Dewey does some pretty not cool things. Yeah. Um, but but that's addressed like it, within the film. Yeah. It's so good. It's brilliant. This is such a good movie. I love watching it. I could probably watch this once a week and like never get sick of it. Well, like I said, it, like it's a feel, like, I think the last time we watched this, I was really sick and I was mm. like, let's watch school. <laughs> it just made you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm really glad that Cora picked it for us. Yeah. And we counted it just as a Cora pick. It wasn't a me pick. Yeah. And, um, that's our little, you know, it's about teachers. So it's my tribute to the graduating class of mm. 2022 at my Cute. school that I'm going to deeply miss and hope they keep in touch. And yeah, good luck. now out I'm there. feeling sad. No, good luck out there, little nuggets. You got this. You're going to you're going to rock the world and make a difference. Yeah. Just plug our podcast wherever you go. <laughs> Thank you. No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't <laughs> be opposed to that. Um, so how did this movie make you feel? I was happy. Just yeah. happy. I I love this. Uh, I'm I'll I'm I'll be happy to watch this for the rest of our little lives. <laughs> you? It just makes my heart swell. Yeah. And it like the way that you say that thing you do makes you inspired. This movie makes me inspired. I think it makes me be inspired for like the difference a, a person can make in another person's life without even realizing it. Oh my god! Are you like? Do you channel a Mr. <laughs> Schneeblay? And take I mean, that into your maybe, job sometimes. maybe the way that thing you do played an uncredited role in you wanting to be an artist. Maybe School of Rock played an uncredited role in me wanting to be a oh, teacher. I love that. That's so nice. Because <laughs> I didn't always think I wanted to be a teacher. And it wasn't. I remember the day I already had a degree. I already had a full time job. And I came home one day and I said, I think I want to go back to school to be a teacher. And I thought you were going to be like, babe we can't afford for you to go back to school and like you can't do more years of school 
And you just looked at me and you said, I think you'd be a really good teacher. And you were so supportive. And not everybody was. Yeah. And not everybody, like some people think that being a teacher is like a sign of like resignation. And right. like it's a, they just don't value it. And being a teacher is hard and it's, you know, but it's also really deeply um, fulfilling. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe this movie was always in the back of my mind of like what being a teacher can accomplish outside of the curriculum because this movie is not about the <laughs> curriculum at all right you know like aside from the shakespeare and all of that like hopefully hopefully i've made a difference in some people's lives i hope yeah i like yeah when you came home that day i'm just like it was never a second thought for me like it just always we like we had even talked before you even came home with that idea that like I th always thought you would make a really great educator, whether that was high school teacher or uh, university professor, whatever it was. I think in whatever capacity you'd be teaching, I felt that you would have what it takes to inspire and to guide and to build and shape mind minds the right way for people to move out into the world and feel better about themselves and. I think to what you said, it's it's hard being a teacher. I think it's really, really, and I see it, it's really, really hard to be a good teacher. And it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And it takes a lot of care to want to be a really good teacher. And I see that in you every day. And I know that some days are harder than others. And that's because you care. That's really sweet. Thank you. Yeah. You are cool enough to be in the band. <laughs> So are you. So yeah. are you. All right. Okay. So, that was nice. Love you so much. <laughs> I love you too. Speaking of love. <laughs> are you in the mood for love? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. We watched the movie In the Mood for Love. This was my mystery movie pick. And this one, this is one of the ones been, that's been rattling around my brain for a while. Uh, came out in 2000. It was directed and written by Wong Kar Wai, which is like a pretty renowned director. Um, I, I, we haven't seen anything else of his that I'm aware of. Um, no, but, but he's made a lot of movies that are on my want to watch list. Yes, same. Um, so this has like a pretty, like a small cast, but I'm only going to pull out, uh, two people that are kind of like our main folks. So Tony Lung, uh, who <laughs> I watched a portion of, and I'm going to finish it, um, as a video essay on YouTube about how. Tony Lung is the man who can speak with his eyes. Mm, mm -hmm. And I totally got that in this movie, but it's a full deep dive. Do you know what else he's from that mm -hmm. we actually have seen? Mm. He is the dad in Shang-Chi. Oh, but he's a lot older. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now that you say that, that checks out. Very handsome. And he's a handsome older man. And he's like handsome mm. in Shang-Chi as an older man, but he is a total babe in this movie. Yeah. And I mean, they both are. Yeah, Maggie Chung is uh, the other big player in this one who is also just wonderful. Yeah, they, wow. Um, so a synopsis for this. Taking place in Hong Kong, in, <laughs> taking place in Hong Kong of 1962, a melancholy story about the love between a woman and a man who live in the same building and one day find out that their significant others had an affair with each other. The reason that I picked this movie is because it's just it's on a lot of lists and is a highly regarded film. Um, but it was 
I, so everything everywhere all, all at once came onto streaming just this past week i think um so with that a lot of reaction videos to people watching it have been dropping and i like i love this movie so much and i i want to see other people react to it so i've been watching a lot of those but it's it's uh this film in the mood for love is homaged in everything everywhere all at once and a few people mentioned it and one particular YouTube video mentions it, but I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, what'd you think of In the Mood for Love? So uh, this has also been one that I, I've been wanting to watch, even pre-Everything Everywhere All at Once, but then, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of re-emerged on my radar because of Everything Everywhere All at Once. And it, what a trip to, like, see the influence in this movie, like, see how In the Mood for Love is clearly homaged in Everything Everywhere All at Once when we've seen that movie so many times yeah, um, and we love it so much. I really liked it. I don't know that I was in the mood for it that night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I definitely want to revisit it because it's, it's just the word that keeps coming to my mind is it's a very deliberate movie. Mm. What do you mean by that? Like it, every frame seems to matter. It's very quiet. The way it lingers, the way movement is used. Mm. Um, everything feels so purposeful. Yeah. Um, I you know I was reading that uh, Wong Kar Wai. He can be. It's. It seems like he can sometimes be a frustrating person to work with, because he allows his vision to change, but then that can extend how long the right. film takes to make. And that um, originally there was a lot more dialogue in this movie, but in working with like the two main players, um, they kind of re envision the movie to have this quieter way about it where so much of it is told through like the way the camera is positioned um the temp the temporality of the film Mm -hmm. so the way that like speed is used um is really interesting really compelling um when when one of them is the man who can speak with his eyes take advantage of it let him speak with his eyes eyes. so yeah i i really i really liked that deliberateness um, and I definitely, I think it's going to be a really interesting rewatch knowing the whole of it because the ending is, the ending is wow. Yeah. Um, and I, but I was pretty tired. <laughs> like, yeah. There were times, because this is a um, a subtitled film unless you watch it dubbed, but we don't do that if we can help it, um, where I was like, I didn't read a lick of what those subtitles were. <laughs> I'm just like, what just what? And I, and I don't, I can't speak. Um, what language is this film in? Is it in Mandarin? That's a good question. I didn't look. Uh, it is in. Well, it's saying uh, it's telling me a lot of languages, and that is certainly not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Spanish. Nope, that's definitely not in Spanish. It's in Cantonese. Cantonese. Um, okay. I don't speak Cantonese. Nor do I. We can smeak. Smeak. We can smeak. Uh, <laughs> we know some select Mandarin words because our three-year-old niece is uh, bilingual, and uh, so we know we know some Mandarin words, but that would not help us a lick if this movie was in Mandarin. Um, so yeah, there were times where I was just like, I totally missed what was said in that entire scene because I cannot speak Cantonese, and also. I'm tired and my eyes just like chose not to focus on the subtitles and the visuals are so compelling that I feel like sometimes my, sometimes my eye was so drawn to what was happening in the scene that like it forgot to read the dialogue. Yeah. 
Did you have a similar experience? A little bit. Like I found that actually the the subtitles were really fast and like mm. fast in that they would come on screen and then they'd be gone before I could necessarily read the whole thing or be able to kind of take in everything that it was saying. And I, I was in a similar boat. Like watching this on a Friday was a tough choice. Uh, <laughs> just because mm-hmm. it was a long We're always week. tired on a Friday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... Um, I, I yeah I had some similar challenges of just like, especially yeah near the end, just kind of starting to, okay I think I'm fading, I think I'm fading. What they say, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of funny. Uh, the the next day, after we watched this, we were driving by the Metro Cinema, our favorite theater, and you can some people choose to have weddings at metro mm-hmm. um if we were getting married we all we talked about when we first started dating that we would probably want to get married at metro mm-hmm. um but as we were driving past it said like the couple's names and then it said in the mood for love and it was like you want to know something about that hmm. um somebody from my book club who i who is a friend and who is i also follow on instagram was at that wedding oh, that's wild yeah and it sounds like it was literally such a beautiful soul affirming wedding like it lovely seemed really 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 beautiful um so that's cool love that yeah yeah I congratulations think it, i don't remember i i don't know the people who got married but uh, yeah can't remember i'm happy for your love yeah um it, i think it also just be so cool to just like have your names up on the marquee at metro cinema one day not in a marriage way but just one day <laughs> not in a marriage way <laughs> we've talked a lot but made no moves to have like a big party to just like celebrate our relationship because we yeah. we are actively choosing not to get married um but we like the idea of celebrating the hard work and the connection that we have and you know letting our friends and family who've never met each other meet each other and just like dancing together and having some good food um so yeah, we'll go. We'll get up on that metro marquee, but just not in a marriage way. I love that. Yeah, we haven't made any moves, but we have. We made a playlist that's far too long for <laughs> yeah. any party. And what's it called? Uh, anniversary. Not sorry. It's anniversary. It, not sorry. Not sorry. Yeah, like sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, but anniversary. <laughs> yeah, silly, dumb. You made it. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but this film in the mood for love, like. Uh, a word. A word for me. Uh, a word from our sponsor was <laughs> uh, beautiful. I mm. thought. I thought this movie was just. Again, I think there was a smart idea of the director to pull back on like some of the some dialogue and just have just some dialogue less scenes and yeah. Again, like just that intention of having a lot of scenes be captured in like slow motion, so everything mm-hmm. just feels very like fluid and flowy. Um, the acting is really great between everybody in this movie and the cinematography is beautiful and so intimate like that's another Mm. another thing like this feels very intimate Mm -hmm. even in like literally in the spaces that these people are living and Mm -hmm. where they are but also just in kind of the examination of the relationships between people um, not even just our leads but our leads in to um, the relationships with per, like kind of more peripheral characters mm-hmm. as well, like it just feels, it feels really intimate, um, and 
one thing that I like kept blowing our minds throughout was um, Maggie Chung's wardrobe. Oh, my goodness. Did you read on IMDb that she never wore the same outfit twice? I, I believe it. <laughs> and the fashion. Oh, gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it was like some of the some of the outfits that that Maggie Chung was wearing just so beautiful and again like used as a device to show mm-hmm. time passing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was very clever mm-hmm. very well done particularly because she never wears the same pattern twice yeah it's the same style outfit yeah i believe the entire film i think so too but the patterns change and so in a moment where you might think it's the same scene seeing that her outfit is different cues the viewer to know that actually time has passed yeah and so smart it reminded me because this is set in the 60s it reminded me of how much i loved the fashion in rosemary's baby which is also the 60s yeah like i remember a big takeaway from that film was just like i loved her wardrobe um and and i wouldn't wear it like it's not my vibe mm-hmm. um in like the rosemary's baby one but not neither is as maggie chung's wardrobe my vibe because I'm, I'm not living in the 60s you yeah. know <laughs> but <laughs> gorgeous just like the outfits the style well oh my goodness well and it's interesting too because like the outfits feel so like contemporary mm-hmm. uh, and uh, like both tony lung and uh maggie chung's outfits like i i felt like for a movie set in the 60s made in 2000s like it just it feels timeless but i guess rosemary's baby was made in the 60s and set in the 60s i believe yeah yeah so there's a difference there yeah but like this feels, it, it it yeah like it has this sense of feeling older, but also mm-hmm. really new, really fresh, um, which creates a timelessness. Yeah. yeah, which which I think adds to that interesting temporality of this film. Yes, very compelling. Yeah, I definitely want to watch this again. But I also now want to watch, and I already did, but I even more now want to watch his other films. Yeah. I do too. And Tony Lung is in a number of them. Mm, really? Yeah. He's kind of like his go-to guy. Yeah, his man on the ground. Yeah. Um, but something that was really, really wonderful is um, I came across this video again, just watching everything everywhere all at once, reactions. There's this really wonderful video that I showed you mm-hmm. from um, a person named Amy Lime on YouTube who typically i believe kind of reviews books Mm -hmm. but posted this really nice response to everything everywhere all at once just kind of talking about the importance of showing these chinese families and the intergenerational trauma that can be passed down between these different generations but also just like showing chinese families in a realistic light Mm -hmm. that isn't you know that isn't them becoming like the butt of a joke or becoming um, kind of tropey or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like something that was just really honest. And she makes mention of this movie in the mood for love. And she just mentions like for her, it's so important to her because it was depicting Chinese people in a sexy and romantic kind of way, mm-hmm. which these characters are. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is so Two again, total babes. Yeah. And again, like it's with that intimacy and mm-hmm. it's with that closeness and the the way that this is shot and put together and the pacing. Like 
it just yeah it just it does have that vibe of it's yeah i think romantic is just a really another really great describing but not in a not this. in a rom-com way in a no. like intensely dramatic like to me this film has like a sweet sorrow to it yeah that's a great way to describe it and it's there's like a longing in this film that i think is relatable even if it's even if you detach it from the romantic part of it this like this desire for something that you cannot have um or for like the boundaries that we put in place for ourselves and how we sometimes want to cross them but we can't Mm -hmm. um like we stop ourselves from crossing these boundaries that we've built for ourselves um and also just this like longing for a moment in time right like memory is such an important part of this film too and then and yeah like i keep coming back to it but temporality is such an essential part of this film that you don't even understand the whole temporal experience of it until you finish watching it Mm -hmm. and that's why i'm so excited to revisit it having like seen the entirety of it um but I was really glad you showed me that. Amy Lyme is her name? Yeah. Um, I'm really glad you showed me that ahead of time because I I like it it helped inform the way I viewed the film too. Um and I'd highly recommend people going and watching that video. She does a really good job of explaining at the beginning that like a lot of the voices on everything everywhere all at once are white. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are white men. Yeah. And that like it's important to also hear the commentary and the um the reactions from like everyday Asian Americans um, who are responding to this movie while we also listen to the cast and the um, directors. So she's uh, so sweet how she goes about it too. She's just like a lot of these, a lot of these reviews are coming from white men and now it's my turn to get some space on the internet <laughs> to like, tell yeah, you what I think. Is. Like get it. You know what? Um, we'll put a link to the video in the show, in the show notes. notes. Okay. Good idea. Um, yeah. I, I think that this movie also just explores Something that is just so fundamentally human, especially in, you know, relationships or like the decision to enter long-term relationships and how mm-hmm. they continue to be work and that you have to have dedication to them and that the dynamics of them can change. Um, and the dynamics, not just of the relationship, but of you as individual people can change mm-hmm. and how that can affect each other and can affect people around you. And yeah, the more I think about this, the more I wish we didn't watch it. <laughs> we were so tired. And it was funny too because I asked that to you because you had said you've been saying for a while I have this I have this movie queued up I have this movie queued up I'm really ready. And then that day I was like, is this the right time for it? Like, is our tiredness going to affect us? And you're like, I don't think so. I think I think that I think I just like was sick of waiting. <laughs> I was just like really looking forward to watching this movie. I'm like, okay, we're gonna do it now. This was maybe not the best time. That's okay. <laughs> We'll we'll watch it again. We will watch it again, and it'll be great, and that's fine. Yeah, it's uh, it's on the Criterion Collection. So, oh, is that where we watched it from? Yeah, and they have like physical copies of it too. So, speaking of the next movie we watched is in the Criterion Collection, and yet it isn't on Criterion streaming. Oh, boo hiss. Yeah, whatever. Correct. Um, to wrap this up real nicely, how did In the Mood for Love make you feel? This movie swept me away. Oh, yeah. Like I just felt yeah. swept along in it in like a different way. The way I said it's such a beautiful day had me like glued to the screen. Like there was a glued. <laughs> glued. <laughs> this had me just like wrapped into it. Like there was a, a gentleness to the way it swept me into the, the narrative. Like to the point where like I don't think it was entirety entirely my tiredness that 
had me missing dialogue. I think I was just so engrossed in what was visually happening on the screen that the subtitles weren't a priority for me. And yet I still understood the emotional arc and narrative without with sometimes missing some of the dialogue because so much of the movie is not about dialogue yeah um yeah so i just i was really compelled by it it just it it swept me off my feet and i am really excited to revisit it at a time when i'm not super tired yeah i think that's that's put perfectly yeah it made me feel a lot of feelings and yeah it just kind of like it wrapped me up in this blanket of emotion of, mm. of and and just like totally took over all of my senses and mm. it, this was such a joy to watch um just both from a story standpoint but also just the way it was executed the way that it looks the way that it plays out the decisions that are made getting to watch um Maggie Chung rock so many awesome outfits and <laughs> I mean like even like Tony Lung, who's just wearing kind of the same outfit the, the whole same time. Outfit the whole time. I mean, I'm also like I couldn't help I see it, but see Waymond. Waymond, yeah. Especially um, they have the same hair and yeah. Yeah, like it's just it's it's very like beat for beat, and mm-hmm. like and I love that. I love that. I love that this was homaged in a new movie that is just become an obsession of mine, <laughs> and yeah, I you're... love that it's able to show me and likely a lot of other people. Um just become a gateway into watching these things that it's homaging Mm -hmm. and that it could the fact that fact alone that 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 everything everywhere all at once could lead someone or multiple people to watch in the mood for love is so wonderful Mm -hmm. i love that so i love art so much i love that movies can can do this all right last movie of the week was my pick and i picked something that i've literally been meaning to watch for like 10 years yeah, I, this is also another one where I'm like, this is kind of like low-hanging fruit. Should have seen this by now. Well, and we own it. Yeah. But it was literally, to call back to what I said I would mention again, wrapped in plastic. <laughs> yeah. Like I went to grab it out of, so it was available on Canopy, which um, we can access with our library card. Mm-hmm. But you were like, screw it, just grab the DVD. I don't want to muck around with an HDMI cable and stuff. Um, I grabbed the DVD and I'm like, this literally has never been opened. (laughs) So I picked Hedwig and the Angry Inch, um, which came out in 2001 and it's based on a, um, musical that I believe was on Broadway and it was, you know, off Broadway before that. Oh, Broadway. Broadway. So it was directed by John Cameron Mitchell and written by them and Stephen Track, starring John John Cameron Mitchell, Miriam Shore, and Michael Pitt is kind of the three ones that have like more substantial character arcs. And then there's a whole host of other people. The synopsis, a genderqueer punk rock singer from East Berlin tours the U.S. with her band as she tells her life story and follows the former lover slash bandmate who stole her songs. So we both were aware of this movie. Both have been meaning to watch it like for years and years and years. Um, what do you think of it now that you've finally seen it? Yeah, like I've wanted to see this for so long that... It just, yeah, it was, it was never one that was kind of like top of mind, but yeah, like we own it. I'm like, we'll get to it one day. I'm glad that we finally got to it. <laughs> the day happened. Yeah. Um, I thought this movie rocked. Like yeah. quite it, literally. Yeah. Um, I've never heard anything from the musical. Never. I, no, I, I, I had no context for this really at all. I think I have heard like the Angry Inch song, but that was it. Gotcha. Um, 
yeah, I thought that this was, I thought this was really fun. I thought it was pretty awesome. Like, I like that it, it told like a very, it, it had like a very serious story to it, but it was kind of told in a very uh, engaging and like fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I thought the music was great. Mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome. I, I thought it was hilarious from beginning to end that the only shows that the band <laughs> plays are in this Bilgewater restaurant. Like lobster seafood restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Like it's this ongoing bit of them playing this restaurant and it's just like it's kind of like a red lobster where like just normal like plain jane white folks are in there trying to like eat their dinner and they're just like what is this punk band doing <laughs> what is this here? queer punk band doing singing about queer things uh so interestingly i actually so one of my favorite movies of all time which i haven't seen in ages was playing at the metro yesterday in my own private idaho and we really wanted to go see it. Um, but I had family plans last weekend that got moved because someone was sick. And as it should be, people should still cancel their plans when they're sick. Take it seriously. Wear a mask when you're sick. If you have to go out and you know you don't have COVID, um, you know, I like not getting sick. It's real nice. Yeah. Um. So we ended up that that family thing ended up getting moved to this weekend. And so we ended up not getting to go see my own private Idaho. Um. And just shout out to my uber talented students, as that's been a theme this week. Um, one of the the students at my school who I've never had the pleasure to teach, but have gotten to know, Isaac Pollard, made the poster for my own private Idaho. So that cool. was that was done there, and it was a really gorgeous poster that um, I thought really captured the essence of the film. So I love my own private Idaho, and we didn't get a chance to see it. And I've never seen it on the big screen, so I'm a little sad about that. But like Metro, maybe play it again sometime if you're listening. Please, please. please. Um, but I actually thought this had some similar vibes. Tell, do tell. Well, so you've only seen my own private Idaho once, correct? That's right. And I'm sure we'll eventually watch it and talk about it at more length because I love that movie so much. So I don't want to get into it too much. But there's this in my own private Idaho, also a queer story. Um, there's this like ache in it Mm, that's in these like subdued moments in between the like sardonic humor and the like defensive posturing that like life's okay yeah there's like these moments of like deep sadness and like reflection on the unfairness of the world Mm -hmm. that are kind of in between all of those moments And, and i felt that in this too yeah um it's kind of those moments that make me think of this very short scene in Rocky Horror near the end where Frankenfurter, it's like this really quick push in on Frankenfurter's face when Frankenfurter like wipes like mm, the makeup mm-hmm. like down with with the with his fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like for me, that's always just like kind of like hit me emotionally mm. in that movie. Like it's just like this very kind of like letting down the veil a little bit and just like this like very kind of introspective reflective moment and like that's i kind of felt that through what you're describing here like there was kind of those moments where it's kind of like pulling back the 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 performance mm-hmm. of hedwig and letting in getting let into the reality of being hedwig two things one in a in an episode where we're talking about you know you already mentioned your batman in utero and your new order 
you were watching Rocky Horror Picture Show from like a really <laughs> young age. Do you think that your intr- intrinsic queerness is because of that? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. The fact that I was watching Rocky Horror when I was like two or three. And again, just being a visual person, I loved the cover, the box art on it, which was just like the big red lips and the spooky Rocky Horror font. And I always referred to it as the lips movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I watch a lips movie? My parents, my parents were like pretty cool for letting me watch it, but eventually when I started like asking questions, like I mean, it's a highly sexual movie. Yeah, like started asking questions, like what's what are they doing? (laughs) Where it's like, okay, maybe we shouldn't let them watch watch this anymore. (laughs) I feel like you absorb some Rocky horror into you too. All these things, all these movies and music that have made you. But the second thing is, so much of this movie is about performance, right? And performance, Mm -hmm. like through the use of this like rock more rock opera y than like mu- musical proper like musical when you think broadway musical right yeah um because the songs are all being performed as rock songs they're not like and all of a sudden people start singing and dancing right yeah um so there's an inherent exploration of performance yeah and then performance gets put onto like the performance of gender and like what gender means both individually and culturally, what sexuality means, both individually and culturally. And like these moments of like performance versus like non-performance, but like those lines even get blurred. And like, it's those moments where the performance drops that I actually kind of found the most compelling. Yeah. But they need the juxtaposition of the highly performative moments to hit as hard as they do. Yeah. No, I agree. I I th- I thought that it did a really great job of balancing those those two things and like ha- having those very performative parts, especially literally when they're performing the music, like be so energetic and have so much passion in them, and just like this kind of like screw the man, stick it to the man, neosis, <laughs> um, and then like contrasted with like these kind of more personal, more insightful, more tender um, and um, vulnerable moments. I thought it did a really great great job of balancing those two things. So you, I mean, you've gotten mad at me when I say this in the past, but you're not, you're not a musical person. You are a musical person in, in terms of like, you like music and you play music, but musical as the film genre category or the theater category, you're not jumping at the bit to see a musical yeah that's but you've gotten mad at me when i've said you don't like musicals you say that's not true (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i i I like musicals i think more than you do yeah um do you prefer a musical like this as opposed to like a chicago or something more in that like broad like Broadway obviously can have many different types of musicals on it, but in that when you think traditional Broadway, like really over the top, people just start singing and dancing in the streets. I I don't know. Okay. I, I haven't been able to exactly pinpoint what it is. I know that when I saw Jesus Christ Superstar live, I fell asleep. <laughs> but that you know (laughs) but like i love little shop of horrors i love rocky horror i love rocky horror um i i 
I like Moulin Rouge. It's been a minute since I've seen it. You've never seen the whole thing. No, I've seen I've seen the whole thing once. With me? <laughs> no. Okay, I swear I've tried to get you to watch it at least twice, and we haven't finished it because you've fallen asleep. Yeah, that, that, yep, <sighs> sounds about right. Okay. Um, and yeah, like, and I like, and I liked this a lot. I like Josie and the Pussycats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is that a musical? Um, in the way. Now that I think about it, like. In the way School of Rock is a musical, I guess. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't. Josie and the Pussycats. You like Spice Spice World? Spice, Spice World's World? great, yeah. Um, and like Sweeney Todd is like fun. But yeah, I don't know. I just love Across the Universe. Hey, that's the Foost. <laughs> the Foost. <laughs> I'm having trouble <laughs> with words today. That's the first movie we ever saw together. That's the day we met. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh. We'll do a rewatch on that sometime. I wonder if it'll stand up. Stand up? Stand the test. Of time? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Our brains are fried. Back to Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, yeah, I can't I can't really pinpoint exactly what my thoughts are on, <laughs> on musicals. But You're strange. I know. Strange human. Yeah. Something I did like about this movie, so it, it uses animation throughout and i thought the animation was real cool yeah um and like again had a really nice juxtaposition to like the more um brash like colors and crowded sets and like really like in your face close to the camera stuff that was going on with the live action i felt that there was this real like fluidity and gentleness and um you know got at some of the bigger themes of the movie about like the binary categories that we create and how how we think about them and how they inform the way we understand ourselves. I thought that that was done really beautifully through these like intercuts of the animation. Yeah. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. This was, yeah, like much like the uh the other <laughs> the other movie we watched this week. It's um, such a beautiful day. It's such yeah. a beautiful day. Like wanting to explore different types of media in in trying to tell this story. Like it just works so well. Yeah, I love that. I love it a lot. Yeah. Um yeah, I, and I I think like all of the the performances, but especially John Cameron Mitchell who is kind of the centerpiece of this movie. Mm-hmm. It was all it was all really well done. And I believe for sure John Cameron Mitchell and Miriam Shore, the two of them played these roles on Broadway. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And I mean John Cameron Mitchell like created Hedwig and the Angry Inch um, and then obviously it's been played by other people since um, John Cameron Mitchell since they stopped doing that role on Broadway mm-hmm. um, but you can you can tell that this is a real like personally invested project for them yeah yeah no you you feel that like you feel the earnesty and earnesty earnesty er- earnestness earnestness the earn the hmm. the importance of being earnesty <laughs> the importance of being earnest earnest scared stupid i liked that yeah me too i liked the earnest movies yeah i watched was earnest earnest probably not no i think he was yeah is that why it was his name probably so you feel this movie is earnest i do that word has and, lost all meaning. And I, I just feel like, and I think too, like just through that lens of 
punk music and punk rock where it's mm-hmm. like this rawness and just like this again it's just like sticking up the middle finger to like anybody that wants to tell you otherwise of mm-hmm. what you believe is right and what you want to see in the world and what you want for yourself like is a bit of a mess but like we're also like on her side yeah i mean everybody's a mess so like in the movie or in the world it's in the world yeah yeah everybody is a mess anybody who like acts like they're not a mess that's a performance yeah because we oh, yeah. are all messes inside all of the time yeah and this movie leans into that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in a very, like, you know, in a way that helps you feel like, okay, my messiness is okay too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just love, like, I think the use of punk music specifically as to as opposed to any other genre mm-hmm. was like a really great, smart choice. The songs are a jam. Yeah. A lot of, so between that thing you do, School of Rock and Hedwig and the Angry Inch, so many jams for us to, like, get into our ear holes over so, the next while. Yeah. So many jams to jam in the ear holes. So, last movie of the week, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. How did it make you feel? This made me, like, it just pulled me in emotionally. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, yeah, like, it got its hooks in me. And I was like, yeah, like, like yeah, damn the man. Like, I, <laughs> and like. This really brought out that stick it to the maniosis. It did. Yeah. Like, what School of Rock preached, this just like. Was kind of like my first test of like putting that yeah. in in action. It's yeah, like, here we go. Um, yeah, I just I I thought that this was very electric and mm, good word. And it it put out all of the things that apparently I like in musicals because I like this one. So <laughs> it it was just firing on all cylinders for me. Yeah. Oh, you. It just had me really invested in Hedwig's story. I hadn't realized that it was going to be like the story of that character told through punk rock songs. Like, I didn't really know that. Mm -hmm. I just knew that this was a queer movie that I wanted to see that had good music in it. Like, that's what I knew. Yeah. Um, And it was that. It was that. But I really like that word you used, electric. It is definitely... I had another movie, like, on on my mind, and I kind of asked you, like, are you... Are you more into something subdued or something that's more, like, upfront? And you, you said that, that you wanted the more upfront one. And this, it, I think it definitely delivered. Yeah. Um, electric's a great word. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, we had a good, a really good week. So last week we we didn't like most, didn't like full on didn't like a couple of the movies we watched, and then we're like not super jazzed on some of the others, which is pretty atypical for us because we typically try to avoid movies we know we're not going to like. <laughs> so if we don't like it, it's usually a surprise. We we knew we weren't going to like Jurassic World, but um. Really nice to, to have a week of movies where we liked everything we watched. Almost again. overcompensated for last yeah, week. Yeah, like I didn't just like everything I watched. I loved everything I watched or already already loved it and then just like reconfirmed my love for it. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great picks this week. Yeah. Really great week of movies. And so now on our inaugural Father's Day Bad Dad, Rad Dad, it's time. It's time. All right. Let's name some Bad Dads and Rad Dads. Who's your Bad Dad nominee? So based on some of the things you said earlier, I feel like you're going to take umbrage with this. Professor Umbridge? <laughs> that's a bad dad. <laughs> um, my bad dad pick of the week is actually Sarah Silverman's character of Patty. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while I hear what you're saying about that, you know, Patty is a bit of a voice of reason in terms of like Dewey's behavior when I think about it from a dad energy perspective, you know, knowing that 
these behaviors maybe need to be thought about or or changed. The way that Patty goes about it, to me, is real bad dad energy because she's assuming what's best for others without ever taking the time to try and understand the other person. Mm. She's commanding rather than communicating. Yeah. And I find that the way she speaks is mean-spirited. It's not in terms of helping someone grow or change into the ver- the better version of themselves that they see the potential. It's more like you have no potential, so just buck up. Right. And um, while I, I agree that some of the things she speaks about, like, need to be said, the way that they're said is bad dad energy to me. I get that. Like, I feel like there's potentially some off-screen dynamic that we haven't seen where maybe she has been more patient and now she's yeah. kind of gotten to like breaking point. And there is the like, you know, in terms of that character, kind of that like nagging shrew trope that I'm like not a fan of. Yeah. Like just, you know, and and I think there's a moment in the film where like we're meant to be like, yeah, you suck. And and I think that's a little dangerous having it be like the only, well, I guess Joan Cusack is, a, is in it too, but like one of the only adult women characters in the film and to have her depicted as this like shrew like character but when i when i divorce that from it and just think of her as a like like look at the energy of the character like that's some bad dad energy okay i see that that's fair my nominee is jimmy from that thing you do the lead, oh the lead singer lead okay. singer of yeah. the wonders yeah so the reason that i picked jimmy is because he like for being the the front person for the band who's kind of like supposed to be kind of the face of the band. He's lead singer. Mm, mm-hmm. I just feel like he doesn't feel like he actually leads the band. Like it feels like all of his intentions are so like the way that guy, like I mentioned grows over the course mm-hmm. of the movie. It doesn't feel like Jimmy does. He stagnates or regresses. Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like all of the work that he has put into his relationship with Faye starts to like just kind of turn toxic and i feel like his passion for the band and what the band can be even from the very beginning mm-hmm. is just it's how does this serve me mm-hmm. how does this serve my art um he doesn't think about how this will benefit other people in the band or how his actions will affect the other people in the band or the other people around him and he just chases whatever he wants to do and then just like turns into a baby when he can't do those things. Mm -hmm. And I just, that's just, and that's such a selfish, not, and, and it's such a selfish way of going about things and just like having that unwillingness to adapt, to change, to reflect, to like slow down for a minute and like kind of recognize what's in front of you that, that's just like a dad energy that I think can lead to some pretty shady dynamics. Yeah. And when I think about like we can't get into it because of spoiler territory, but like some of the things with that character closer to the end of the film like reinforces that even more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to defer to that for the fact that I don't want to, you know, if we if we name Sarah Silverman's character of Patty, I feel like we're reinforcing some like gross gendered dynamics that like. Mm-hmm. Even though we would be looking at it through a different lens, which is through the lens of the dad, I feel like Sarah Silverman's character is literally there to be a woman that we hate. Yeah. Um, and 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 she, like, while some of the things she says are valid, she says it in such a um, 
such a way that like it's hard not to hate her and I don't want to reinforce that. So because I think there could there could be more complexity to that character. Like that's one of the one faults I'd say of the movie is that she is just depicted as the shrew. So I'm going to yeah, I'm going to agree with you. And let's say that um, Jimmy, Jimmy, nothing you do. You're bad. Get out of here. (laughs) We don't want to see you anymore. He's such a drip. (laughs) Big drip. (laughs) So get that drip. No dad of ours. Um, (laughs) Okay. Rad dad. (laughs) Rad dad. Do you want to say it on the count of three? Uh yeah, do <laughs> okay. you just start saying it? No, okay. I, I just don't know what we're gonna say. Character name, character name. Let's okay. Let's see if okay. we say the same thing. All right. One, two, three. Mister Schneeblade. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that did not go as planned. Okay, let's say the actor's name. One, two, three. Jack, Jack Black. Black. <laughs> that worked. Um. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Tell yeah. me why. Mr. Schneebley, one of the greats, one of the greatest dads. Yeah, it's just like, again, we talked about his growth from, you know, being somebody who is immature to somebody that um, learns from their mistakes, learns mm-hmm. from others' mistakes, and learns from the people that surround them of how to be a better person, how mm-hmm. to grow. Um, and also just like the dad energy that he puts out to all of these kids that he's teaching and learning from Mm -hmm. um it's just it's so great he's he's and he's spitting life lessons that i mean affect me (laughs) um and i and just like still resonate in me and i that that's what you want like you want somebody that you don't want somebody that's perfect but you want somebody that knows how and when to say the perfect thing Mm. well that's one of the so one of the beautiful things i find about it you know, in looking at it both as a teacher now and thinking about him as a teacher, aside from the whole like pretending to be someone he's not thing. Um, there are multiple times in this movie where one of the kids comes up to him and says, like, I don't want to do this thing we're doing or I want to do this other thing as a part of this. And he never says no. He's always like, OK, well, tell me why. Yeah. And and what I love about it is that first he hears them out and he sees them and he's not dismissive. Mm-hmm. When like the initial when you first meet that character, you wouldn't think that he would be so open and generous. But the second thing is then he does ask for accountability. So there's a scene where one of the the girls comes up and says, like, I don't want to be a roadie or whatever. I want to be a singer. And he says, OK, well, then let's hear you sing. And then when she doesn't want to, he says, you know, like, I can't let you be a singer if I don't hear you sing. But he's not saying you can't be a singer. He's saying, like, if you want to be a singer, show me that you can sing and then I'll consider it, right? And I I love that he both is open and generous, but then also asks for accountability from the kids and asks for them to like, you know, if they're going to do it, to do their best. And I think that's really beautiful. Oh, yeah. Like really beautiful. So like, I love that. Yeah, I love that openness and that patience to be like, okay, well, yeah, send me something. Yeah, like, yep. It's not like, a oh, let's see. Like, yeah. It's, it's just like this openness. Yeah. And there are a couple moments that have been like talked about in really thoughtful ways in different spots of the internet where like, you know, he affirms the humanity of people and like parts of people in ways that like you wouldn't expect from an early 2000s movie that's like aimed at kids and families. So like I think some things that I find really admirable about this character are like, and I think I mentioned this earlier, without even intending to, he sees the humanity in all people. Um, 
there's just this like built in kindness and desire to see people be their best. Yeah. He's uplifting to other people. He apologizes for his wrongs. There's a really wonderful moment. And it doesn't, you know, it's a it's a family movie. It's, you know, it's 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 in a tight run time. It's buttoned, but there is a moment where he recognizes the mistakes he's made and he's accountable to them. Yeah. Which I think is really important and like a really good modeling for anyone watching. Mm-hmm. He has a capacity for growth, but never loses who he is. Like just, he's, yeah, we said it in our first episode up ever, totally by accident, unplanned, that he is one of the greatest cinematic dads and I maintain it now. Yeah. Anything to add? No, just Dewey Finn slash Mr. Mr. Schneeble, be our dad. dad. All right, so we are getting to a close here, but we're going to throw a rad wreck at you before we go. So one of the really wonderful and beautiful things that has come out of making this show, other than, you know, all of the wonderful things you people who are listening have said to us, is some of the connections we're building with other podcasters, which is really exciting and lovely and makes doing the work feel a little less lonely when you can kind of talk to people who are who are doing it too. Um, you know, we I think I'm going to throw two of these at you. So one is... Our dear friends, uh, Lori and Ariana, who both make fantastic horror films, but also talk about them. Um, They have a podcast called Queer Horror Cult, and they actually just uh, released a new episode. They've been on a little bit of a hiatus uh, about crimes of the future, and they have a really thoughtful um, and in-depth look at the film. It is a spoiler-filled one, um, but if you've seen Crimes of the Future or you know you're not going to see Crimes of the Future and you're interested in a thoughtful look at kind of the... um, the body politics and the, you know, the history of Cronenberg, because the two of them have seen much more Cronenberg than we have. Highly recommend you go listen to the newest episode of Queer Horror Cult. And then we also have been connecting with some other folks who, like, we've only met through podcasting. Lori and Ariana, we know from our personal lives. Um, We've been connecting with some people who do movie podcasts as well. And we've been chatting with uh, the folks who do Classic Movies Live, which is a really cool show where they look at new films to kind of talk about, is this one day going to be a classic? Yeah. It's a really cool concept. So cool. Um, I love that. I love thinking about that. And this is something you and I do a lot where we'll think about our, um, you know, my sister's kids and we'll we'll be like, what? man, I wonder what the things that like when they're our age, they're going to be like, I can't believe you saw that in the theater or like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that you got to see that artist, you know, like and we, and we speculate about that a lot, like yeah. what's going to stand the test of time. Um, and so I think what a great lens to look through movies for. So we're actually going to play you saw a school of rock in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Um, but everything ever all at once, like they have an episode of on that. And I think definitely that one's going to be a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to throw the trailer at you now so you can hear a little bit about it. They have a couple of shows. They look at Anna Kendrick's catalog. Oh, I love that. <laughs> which is so cool. Um, they have a Leo DiCaprio um, catalog that they look at. So this trailer kind of talks about all of their different shows um, and under the banner of that classic movies live. So, you know, if you love movie podcasts, you like listening to us, you might like, like listening to them as well. So take a listen now. This is Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. I'm your host, Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Pierre. Pierre, what movie are we talking about today? Jeff, what are you talking about? We're recording it now. 
Oh, is this an ad for Kicking It with Kendrick, the show where every week we bring on a different expert to talk about the filmography of Anna Kendrick? No, no, this is a ad for Losing It Over Leo, the show where we chronologically go through Leonardo DiCaprio's career from childhood to his Oscars. Are you entirely certain this isn't an ad for CML Classics, episodes of Classic Movies Live that we recorded two years ago? Well, I guess it's an ad for all four at this point. Well, you know what? That just works out because you can find all four of those over on the Heatwave Radio channel on Spotify. Nice. All right. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, As always, we drop a new episode every Thursday. But until then, please follow us and slide into our DMs on Instagram at baddad.raddad. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Dad Rad Dad. Get a sneak peek at what we've been watching on our individual letterboxed accounts. Uh, links for those are in the show notes. Uh, and drop us a rating, review, or follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. It really helps us out. That's really, really sweet of you to do so. Um, but you know what? Thank you for joining us on this Father's Day episode and for joining us on every other episode. We love you all. And until next time. I'm Kylie and my dad's dead. I'm Elliot and my dad's a deadbeat. But remember, not all dads have to be bad. Mm-hmm.